Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Voice of Adoptees, which brings together diverse and unique voices from around the world to share their stories. If you liked today's episode, remember to give us a like, subscribe, and leave a review. Here's your host, David Shunk. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to uh, another episode of Voice of Adoptees. Tonight, we are joined by a new friend of mine, Annie. Uh, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you here, and uh, we look forward to hearing your story. Awesome. Well, I, I feel like our last 30-minute little discussion earned me that right to call you Annie. <laughs> so, Annie, uh, tell us about who you are and uh, what you do. <laughs> Where in uh, California? Oh, okay, my mom grew up in uh, Lodi. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. Um, so what's your connection to adoption? Right. Mm -hmm. um, what stage would you say you're at with that journey?
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that you were able to get to that stage um, eventually? Or do you feel you're getting close? Okay. Yeah. Do you think you got rid of them for um, other reasons? Like, were you actively looking for newer ways to cope and you decided that the old ones just weren't working anymore? Wow. 
Would you ever do that again? Oh, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's... It almost brings you in a whole different level of understanding, I think, that... Right, right. Yeah. That's awesome. I like that part of the world. So, you, uh, you, you have a blog. And in June of 2023, you refer to yourself as a sponge. Would you like to elaborate on that? <laughs> it's okay. You refer to as a, adoptees like sponges. So I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, so with those boundaries, how do you go about deciding what you let in and what you keep out? Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's all those memories coming back and feeling relaxed because you get a sense of, I guess, normalcy or just revisiting parts where you felt comfortable of who you were. And, it, you know, people like to hold on to that for sure. Right. Right. Yeah. Then you get to draw your own conclusions. Makes sense. Right. Yeah. Uh, I get that. That makes sense. Um, in the summer of your book, uh, you don't look adopted, right? You state, as a child, I traded safety for silence. Can you explain that to our listeners? Yeah. Yeah, right. You need a new apple at that point. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's a funny way to put it, but I like it. Uh, yeah. Um, when did you know it was the right time to start writing and share your story?
That's that's amazing. How'd you come up with the? Oh, sorry. How'd you come up with the uh, title? That's a good one. Wow. Um, so, <laughs> did you uh, have an agreement with your friend to collect any of the royalties? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Get a job. Okay. Yep. Um, so through this whole experience, um, what are some things you learned about yourself uh, that you didn't know before you started writing the story, you know, on paper? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
Yeah. Yeah. Human. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, we all are human. So in some ways, it's just saying. Yeah. At, yeah, at any point of your life, did you feel like you used the adoptee card to justify some of your actions? There you go. Uh, how can, in your book, you talk about adoptees and trusting themselves. How can you tell them to trust themselves? Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, th now that you mentioned that, um, do you think a lot of adoptees do certain, uh, you know, maybe it's get certain jobs or go to school because they feel obligated to kind of return the favor to their adoptive parents. Do you think the ad adoptees feel a sense of, you know, like you did this for us, now we have to return the favor? I like that North Star. That's that's really cool.
Yeah. That's one way to put it. Right. Yeah. How can adoptees learn to trust themselves? Yeah. <laughs> mhm. Mm How do you think your book can provide help with uh trauma and identity loss in adoptees. Yeah. 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 No, they definitely can, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. No, I agree. Uh, so 
what's your experience um, when you reached out and tried to find your birth family? Yeah. Do you uh, stay in touch with any of them? Yeah. Do you think that'll ever change or will it always be like that for you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh <laughs> Yeah, you wonder how those conversations start. Sit down and so you like to write? Right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, so my final big question for you 
what piece of advice can you leave for other adoptees and anyone who's going to listen to your story? Wow. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you so much for letting letting us listen to your story and coming on tonight and being a guest. It's been uh it's been great uh getting to know you and your story. Thank you. Thank you so much, and you stay in touch, and we hope to hear from you soon with uh, any new news or whatever you'd like to share. You know, come on back anytime, and um, I'd like a signed copy of your book. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Great. Well, thank you again, and um, we hope you uh, have a great rest of your evening, and take care of yourself. Thank you so much. Folks, that was Annie from Massachusetts. <laughs> she came on tonight to share her story and uh, open her heart to us. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. And we will be airing it soon. If you want to come on and share your story, visit us at www.voiceofadoptees.com. As always, thanks for stopping by, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Voice of Adoptees. Please take a moment to like, subscribe, and leave a review. See you next time. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to uh, another episode of Voice of Adoptees. Tonight, we are joined by a new friend of mine, Annie. Uh, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you here, and uh, we look forward to hearing your story. Awesome. Well, I, I feel like our last 30-minute little discussion earned me the right to call you Annie. <laughs> so, Annie, uh, tell us about who you are and uh, what you do.
We're in uh, California. Okay, my mom grew up in uh, Lodi. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. Um, so what's your connection to adoption? Right. Mm -hmm. um, what stage would you say you're at with that journey? Right. Yeah.
Yeah. Do you think that you were able to get to that stage um, eventually? Or do you feel you're getting close? Okay. Yeah. Do you think you got rid of them for um, other reasons? Like, were you actively looking for newer ways to cope and you decided that the old ones just weren't working anymore? Wow. Would you ever do that again? Oh, <laughs> never mind. Yeah. Yeah. That's it almost brings you on a whole different level of understanding, I think, that Right, right. Yeah. That's awesome. I like that part of the world. So you uh you you have a blog. And in June of 2023, you refer to yourself as a sponge. Would you like to elaborate on that? It's okay. You refer to as a adoptees like sponges. So I'm curious.
Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, so with those boundaries, how do you go about deciding what you let in and what you keep out? Right. Yeah. 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 Well, it's it's all those memories coming back and feeling relaxed because you get a sense of I guess normalcy or just revisiting parts where you felt comfortable of who you were and it, you know people like to hold on to that for sure right right Yeah. Then you get to draw your own conclusions. Makes sense. Right. Yeah. Uh, I get that. That makes sense. Um, in the summer of your book, uh, you don't look adopted, right? You state, as a child, I traded safety for silence. Can you explain that to our listeners?
Yeah. Yeah, right. You need a new apple at that point. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's a funny way to put it, but I like it. Uh, yeah. Um, when did you know it was the right time to start writing and share your story? That's that's amazing. How'd you come up with the Oh sorry. How'd you come up with the uh title? That's a good one. Wow. Um, so did you uh, have an agreement with your friend to collect any of the royalties? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Get a job. Okay. Yep. Um, so through this whole experience, um, what are some things you learned about yourself uh, that you didn't know before you started writing the story, you know, on paper?
Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Human. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, we all are human. So in some ways, it's just saying, yeah. Yeah. At any point of your life, did you feel like you used the adoptee card to justify some of your actions? There you go. Uh, how can, in your book, you talk about adoptees and trusting themselves. How can you tell them to trust themselves? Right.
Yeah. Right. Uh, well, th now that you mentioned that, um, do you think a lot of adoptees do certain, uh, you know, maybe it's get certain jobs or go to school because they feel obligated to kind of return the favor to their adoptive parents? Do you think that adoptees feel a sense of, you know, like you did this for us, now we have to return the favor? I like that North Star. That's that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's one way to put it. Right. Yeah. How can adoptees learn to trust themselves? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
How do you think your book can provide help with uh, trauma and identity loss in adoptees? Yeah. 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 No, they definitely can, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. No, I agree. Uh, so what's your experience um, when you reached out and tried to find your birth family? Yeah. Do you uh, stay in touch with any of them? Yeah. Do you think that'll ever change or will it always be like that for you? Yeah. Yeah. 
well, uh... <laughs> well, you wonder how those conversations start. Sit down and so you like to write? <laughs> Right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, so my final big question for you, what piece of advice can you leave for other adoptees and anyone who's going to listen to your story. Wow. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you so much for letting letting us listen to your story and coming on tonight and being a guest. It's been uh it's been great uh getting to know you and your story. Thank you. Thank you so much, Andy. Stay in touch, and we hope to hear from you soon with uh, any new news or whatever you'd like to share. You know, come on back anytime, and um, I'd like a signed copy of your book. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Great. Well, thank you again, and um, we hope you uh, have a great rest of your evening and take care of yourself. Thank you so much, folks. That was Annie from Massachusetts. <laughs> she came on tonight to share her story and uh, open her heart to us. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. And we will be airing it soon. If you want to come on and share your story, visit us at www.voiceofadoptees.com. As always, thanks for stopping by, and we'll see you next time.
Hello, everyone. Welcome back to uh, another episode of Voice of Adoptees. Tonight, we are joined by a new friend of mine, Annie. Uh, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you here, and uh, we look forward to hearing your story. Thanks. I love that you asked me about my name and that you're calling me Annie because nobody does that, and um, only the people that have known me for very, very long call me that, and it's an instant way to feel close to you. So awesome. that's pretty neat. Well, I, I feel like our last 30-minute little discussion earned me the right to call you Annie. <laughs> it did. So, Annie, uh, tell us about who you are and uh, what you do. Um, I am a writer, and um, right now I am working on a sequel. Well, actually, I came to... Mass my hometown, Westwood, Massachusetts, to help um, my high school gym teacher, who ended up being the winningest coach in Ivy League history, write to write her book. And we just finished last week. I thought it was going to take about three months, but I've been here for a year and a half. <laughs> and uh, and so during that time, I've also been writing a sequel to the first book I wrote, You Don't Look Adopted. And so I'm finishing up that one and then um hopefully going back to california to be with my daughter where in uh california uh santa cruz oh, okay my mom grew up in uh lodi oh nice yeah it's a beautiful place yeah. um so what's your connection to adoption um i'm adopted and um i've been um i had sort of a normal story and then seven years ago I, I woke up to the whole thing and uh wrote a book about what it felt like to be an adoptee and then everything just kind of blew apart because i couldn't go back and now i'm trying to figure out i'm 58 and I don't really want to be an adoptee anymore. I feel like, can I have a little bit of life where I'm, earlier you had said something about you're just a human being. I would right. like to experience just being a human being without front loading that story with the story of what other people did to me. So I'm, I'm exploring how to, how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, what stage would you say you're at with that journey? I would say I'm waiting for my father to die <laughs> because, um, my mother died and then I was able to write, you don't look adopted because I just felt like I couldn't really be honest as was when she, I, I love her very much and it was very confusing and I also love my dad, but um, he's not well. And I'm in that same place I was with my mom where I'm really impatient for him to die. And it doesn't feel that great to have that feeling because he's also my dad. Right. Um, but I want, I, I can, it's almost like in my head, everything is going in slow motion and it's, in my head, I can feel relinquishment trauma. Like I can feel, oh, okay, this is the mother leaving the baby. 
this is something stored in my brain and I can feel that my father is leaving the baby and I just want to get it over with Yeah, because it's, it's touching on things in my head that um, I can't verbalize, you know? And, and so I would like to go back to being an orphan <laughs> so that I can see what is life like when, I don't always put, I still am in many ways a child. I think I think about my parents, I think more than a lot of people. And um, so I think I'm aware that I'm coming to the last third of my life. And I would like to, I've been, um, I've had a good life and I've had a lot of wonderful things happen. And I've had this, line of intense anxiety that's gone through the whole thing and i don't think that's necessarily i don't think i have to live with that my whole life and i would like to know what it's like to be relaxed in my body and i'm just laying out in the hammock watching my dog run around and not have my brain be making up stories about how i'm in trouble or how something is wrong so i i feel like I, I I have a hard time imagining the future. I have a very hard time imagining myself getting old. You know, I just feel like um, I, it's, it's, I, it's hard to see that. But I, I would love to be the person just sitting on the chair on the front of the house, just being there and um, um, really deeply being appreciative of life. Yeah. Do you think that you were able to get to that stage um, eventually? Or do you- I'm getting close. You're getting close, okay. I am, I've learned, I used to be so busy. I used to just run around and just keep myself busy, busy, busy. Yeah. And and I don't do that anymore. And I'm I'm not afraid of my interior life. I'm not afraid of my body. Um, so I, I feel like a very different person because I'm so much more quiet inside. Um, I think that to me, that used to mean invisible and that was scary. So I, I'm at the stage where I don't really know who I am because I'm not holding on to all these old coping mechanisms that I used to do. Do you think you got rid of them for um, other reasons? Like, were you actively looking for newer ways to cope and you decided that the old ones just weren't working anymore? Um, Yes, and I did a therapeutic session with MDMA and psilocybin, which was incredibly helpful. it showed me a lot of the really, really intense pain I had been carrying in my body and it was too painful to even recognize and I was able to let it go. I mean, that was like, that was a life changer. Wow. Mm -hmm. Would you ever do that again? It's very expensive. It's like $3,000 for, (laughs) yeah. So I'm hoping, (laughs) right. And I, I do microdose um, with psilocybin and um, I 
I think that's wonderful. It seemed I don't take I don't take drugs. Like I'm not a drinker. I don't I barely take aspirin, but there's something about the psilocybin that really agrees with my brain. It feels like it's rewiring it and just yeah. showing me just showing me that how I am connected. Yeah. That's it almost brings you on a whole different level of understanding, I think. That... Yeah, I'm not I'm not surviving. I am right, right. I, I am a part of the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I like that part of the world. So yeah. you uh you you have a blog and mm-hmm. in June of twenty twenty three you refer to yourself as a sponge. Would you like to elaborate on that? Sure. I don't, you know, I write stuff and then I forget what I wrote, but. Um, okay. <laughs> I think. You refer to as a, adoptees like sponges. So, oh, yeah. So, I'm curious. You know, yeah. So I think it's a survival. I mean, I know how to erase myself really quickly and then just figure out what, who I need to be and what I need to do to fit in. And so I do feel like, I mean, it's, it's, it's really a boundary issue, right? It's, um, I mean, it's, um, it's easier if it's easier to not have really strong opinions and to be with other people and just kind of blend in. But what I'm, um, I'm learning to not do that anymore because it's, if you're a sponge, you're, you're just absorbing other people's stuff and you're not really a person um i i taught a class i teach classes about stuff i want to learn and so uh, joyce mcguire pavo she's a great um, adoptee therapist and so i taught a class with her on boundaries and it was really it's really interesting to hear other adoptees like talk about boundaries and see how much they struggle with them yeah and it was helpful just to realize like boundaries are really helpful they don't keep people out in a bad way they keep people out in a really good way yeah that yeah so with those boundaries how do you go about deciding what you let in and what Mm -hmm. you keep out it's a great question i i have you know covid was a funny time right it was like right so there was this opportunity to pull away from society and that was both um, very lonely and also like really helpful, just a, a reset. And now I, I have this wild living. I just like, sometimes I'm so amazed at what life does and I'm living less than a mile from where I grew up in the house of my mom's close friend um, next to the woods that I loved as a child. And I have my mom's friend who just feels so healthy and so safe. And I have my dog and I have the woods. Yeah. And I have my writing projects and I don't have a big community of people here. But what I do have is I have an environment that feels safe because I grew up here. And so I think um, I'm I'm learning. I'm pretty, it's like I'm going back. Pete's. Pete's I want to go. Sorry. It's like I'm it's like I'm going back and being a little kid. Yeah. Only this time I, I am doing it intentionally. Um, and so I'm learning, I am here. (laughs) 
in this place and I have the right to exist here. I, I, I get to find out who I am. I mean, it's very strange to be like a six year old when you're 58, but it's also pretty neat. It's also very, very simple. You know, it's just walking in the woods with my dog and doing my, doing my work and, and, it's all those memories coming back and feeling relaxed because you get a sense of, I guess, normalcy or just revisiting parts where you felt comfortable of who you were. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, people like to hold on to that for sure. Well, and when I was here, I felt comfortable and uncomfortable at the same time because there was that underlying you know, like family life is a little weird often when you're adopted. And so there's all this stuff under the rug that no one's talking about. Right. And so then I get to be here and kind of bring every, everything's coming together. Right. Yeah. Then you get to draw your own conclusions. Yeah. My body gets to experience what's it like to be here when you're entirely yourself, like you're not just the child of these two people who love you and who adopted you, but you also have a bigger story in incorporating all of it. Right. Yeah. Uh, I get that. That makes sense. Um, in the summer of your book, uh, You Don't Look Adopted, right? Mm-hmm. You state, as a child, I traded safety for silence. Can you um, explain that to our listeners? Oh, sure. Um I think when you're a kid and when you don't feel safe, you don't even really know what that means. I I mean, one example is when I was a kid, I had a really hard time returning books to the library. And so I had all these books in my closet that were overdue and I used to want to kill myself because um, I didn't know what to do with all these overdue books. Like, you know, in my mind, it was going to be so much money. And I didn't know how to deal with that kind of problem. Yeah. And instead of saying to my parents, I have a bunch of overdue books in my closet. You know, can you help me? I just was quiet. And then by some miracle, the library had a free book day. But but I think it's this, you know, the, the silence is trying not to make waves just trying not knowing it's okay to ask for help because if you think you're the problem you can't ask help about yourself right there's you know it's like if i was an entirely rotten apple i couldn't ask you to cut the rot out because (laughs) my whole self is rot (laughs) yeah right you need a new apple at that point. Yeah, need a new. Uh, yeah, I needed a new apple, right? And that's yeah. that's what I'm doing here now. I'm becoming the new apple. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a funny way to put it, but I like it. Yeah, it feels uh, like it. Yeah. Um, when did you know it was the right time to start writing and share your story? Um when things in my life just weren't working. I had been trying to do it for so long, my whole life. Um, 
I felt like that was what I was supposed to do, but I couldn't do it. And then just everything kept falling apart. I just, and then I met um, the woman who wrote the book, The Help, and she offered me her New York apartment. And it just felt like, okay, the universe just opened a big door. I'm going to jump in and do it. I'm so glad I did. It's the best thing I ever did in my whole life. That's that's amazing. Yeah. How'd it's you the come hardest up with the... thing. Oh, sorry. No. How'd you come up with the uh, title? A friend that I went to high school with, I met her for a coffee. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd never talked about being adopted before. You know how it's in, like you just don't talk about it when you're younger. But she told me she went to the doctor's office and the nurse asked her for her health history. And she said she was adopted. And the nurse said, you don't look adopted. <laughs> <laughs> so I said that's the title I want that title <laughs> that's a good one yeah. wow um, so t- did you uh, have an agreement with your friend to collect any of the royalties <laughs> yeah no she just gave it to me wow yeah I went I went bankrupt writing that book like yeah like, that book, I, I didn't, um, so speaking of royalties, I, I mean, what that book cost me versus what it, someone asked me a while ago if I would help him with his book because he wanted to make some money and I got, and I wanted to tell him, if you want to make money, right, you know, maybe you could just get a job. <laughs> <laughs> it was so much more expensive writing that book than, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> get a job. <laughs> Okay. Yep. <laughs> um, so through this whole experience, um, what are some things you learned about yourself uh, that you didn't know before you started writing the story, you know, on paper? Mm. Mm. such a good question (laughs) I think I'm still figuring that one out I still I think I still haven't found the permission slip that says it's okay to be you and that um, I'm still I'm still swimming out of the gutter Mm -hmm. like trying to step onto the land and say okay here this is me and then feel safe enough to see i still don't feel this is why i talk about wanting my dad to die i just i don't know why but that once i'm myself i feel like i somehow i lose my parents because they didn't accept me. They, oh gosh, this is hard. This is the part that's so hard to talk about because the words don't really work. It's like, you know, you have this life as an adoptee that's one life, and then you have your other life that's your life when you're not an adoptee, but you're living both at the same time. And the people who love you love you because you're an adoptee. But that's not even always true like often they love both of you you just made i've made stories in my head that they don't yeah right and so i have confusion and i think that um 
I, I think what I'm, the best answer I can give to your really good question is that I'm learning that I'm a human being. Like, yeah. I'm not an alien. I'm not, I'm not bad. I'm just a, I'm just a person. And I think I also thought I had to be great. Like I had to do something great. I had to become a butterfly. I had to be beautiful. And I'm finding like, it's okay just to be middle of the road in yeah. everything. Like, you know, kind of chubby, kind of messy, kind of half a failure, like it, not, not great human. It's okay yeah. to be just human. Human. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, we all are human. So yeah, in some ways it's, but somehow that didn't seem like enough ever, you know, it was like, it yeah. wasn't enough to be born a human. I, you know, there was like, Oh gosh, I have to find the special card so I can break out of this and know that I'll always be kept and loved. Um, it's such a relief to just be sloppy. Yeah. At any point of your life, did you, feel like you used the adoptee card to justify some of your actions oh yes that's why I'm so glad that's a big reason why I want to work with a Harvard basketball coach because I wanted to get tougher I didn't want to um, collapse into I'm overwhelmed this is too much for me I can't do this I mm -hmm. I don't like that about myself. And so now I'm tougher. There you go. Uh, how can, in your book, you talk about adoptees and trusting themselves. Mm. How can you tell them to trust themselves? Mm. I think it's helpful to have. So one thing I'm learning from the Harvard coach is so if you're playing basketball for Harvard basketball, you want to win. Right. So if you want to win, you're going to construct your life in such a way so that you're strong enough to win. So if you're going to do things that mess you up, you're not going to trust yourself and then you're not going to probably not going to win. And so I think I have learned that the most helpful thing I can do for myself is to have really clear goals about what I would like to get in life. And for some reason, that was really hard when my parents were alive because it felt like my goals weren't goals that were in line with their goals for me. And um, it's really fun to, to try to try to win like I'm really yeah. competitive it's really but I'm doing it for myself now instead of trying to do it for other people and to impress other people right uh well now that you mentioned that um do you think a lot of adoptees do certain uh you know maybe it's get certain jobs or go to school because they feel obligated to kind of return the favor to their adoptive parents. Do you think they had adoptees feel a sense of, you know, like you did this for us. Now we have to return the favor. I, I think that the majority either do that or they go the failure route. 
like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to do what you want, but I'm not going to do what I want either. Cause I'm not going to figure that out. And what really interests me is what's the middle ground, you know, where you in a perfect world, the adoptive parents would help the adoptee identify their own North star and help them listen to their own inner calling. Um, yeah. I like that North star. That's, that's really cool. Well, I'm, I'm just starting, I'm starting at, um, on this Sunday, I just offered a free class because I read this book. It's called the comfort crisis. Yeah. And, and, um, I, I'm doing it for free cause I want to be able to mess it up and then not feel bad, but I, <laughs> that's one I way to put it. I really think that, um, trying to feel comfortable for adoptees is a terrible trap because we're actually not that comfortable, but, but we live, I think so many of us live stuck and that because of our trauma brain and that we actually are pretty uncomfortable in our, in our bodies, it's hard for us to go more uncomfortable but you got to be uncomfortable to move forward. Right. And, and so I'm really interested in how do you break through? How do you break through to really move forward in your life when you're, when you're tired and anxious? And um, so I want to play with that and see what I just think, I think we need to, I think we need to be pushed a little harder um, in ways where we're also being encouraged to be ourselves yeah how can adoptees learn to trust themselves mm. i think it's about um being willing to feel your feelings and not necessarily give them stories just be able to sit with your feelings and if you start feeling really anxious try not to create a story about why you're feeling anxious because then I think we have a lot of feelings that we need to process mm -hmm. and when the more we attach stories to them, the, the more feelings happen, like we start losing control and, and then it's hard, it's hard to trust yourself because then all of a sudden you're in storyland, you're in your head. This place is yeah. crazy. This thing is nuts, <laughs> right? But the body is not nuts. And I think it's 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 feeling safe enough to be able to live with boredom, fear, terror, discomfort, and and moving forward from there in a respectful manner. How do you think your book can provide help with uh, trauma and identity loss in adoptees? I think the most helpful thing about my book was how I structured it. Um, because I wrote it really fast. I published it really fast. I mean, it has mistakes in it. I was so afraid I wasn't going to publish it. I was so afraid. So I just did it in a big rush. And I think it, it really gives a, a good picture of what a brain looks like coming out of the fog. You know, yeah. it's like in pieces. It's not, it's trying to figure things out. And I think the book gives people permission to not try to tell the whole story in one big piece. It gives them permission to say 
things in little pieces. Um, especially, you know, especially if you feel like you have ADHD or ADD, your story can feel too overwhelming. Yeah. But if you put an adoptee at a table and say, will you tell me your story? No one is quiet. <laughs> so when people say yeah. they can't write their story, I don't believe that. No, they definitely can. Yeah, they definitely can. They just think they're just comparing it to books they've read by people who aren't adopted. And they think, but I can't write like that. But yeah. if they just wrote like they talked, it would come out just fine. Right. Right. No, I agree. Uh, so what's your experience um, when you reached out and tried to find your birth family? Uh, oh, not great. Uh, I was, um, if I could do it again, I wouldn't. I was very, um, I thought they owed me something, especially my birth mom. I thought she owed me her attention. I thought she owed me her, I thought she owed me a lot of things. I thought her kids owed me things, but I don't think that anymore. Um, and my birth father, I got to meet him and that was great to have a connection. Um, um, It was a great adventure and it's confusing to have more family. <laughs> yeah. Do you uh, stay in touch with any of them? Yeah, I do. My birth father, his, his wife didn't like the idea of me, but, um, you know, so he feels safe kind of writing to me on my birthdays, but his brother has been so kind um, and his family has been so welcoming and I, um, I love them and I, I, I have a sense of confusion, you know, like there's family here, there's family here, there, it's sort of easier to not have it all. Yeah. So I've, I, I, I've stopped going to visit them, not because I don't love them, but it's too, it's a lot. Do you think that'll ever change or will it always be like that for you? Um, I don't know that I, um, I hope, I hope I, um, I hope I do better. I hope I'm more open. I think I'm fearful still of writing. You don't look adopted was, um, you know, if you have a mask on and then all of a sudden you rip it off and you show people like who you are, that, yeah. that was, that was a lot. And I think I'm still, you know, if I stopped dating because I would go on a date and then someone would read my book and they're like, um, well, uh, <laughs> you know, like they had a lot of opinions and, you know, so I'm like, okay, I, I, I did this to myself and um well you wonder how those conversations start sit down and so you like to write yeah yeah (laughs) or I talk about what a disaster I am as a date you know it's like this is not um I you know I think that um 
I used to plan everything. Like, I think I used to always try to escape my body by planning into the future. Like, this is how things are going to be in the future. So when you ask me these questions, I think a year ago, I could have answered them. But right now, I'm working so hard at just being right here. Right. That I, I don't know, you know, I don't know if what I'll do. And I kind of like not knowing because then I can just let it happen instead of trying to control it and plan it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, so my final big question for you, what piece of advice can you leave for other adoptees and anyone who's going to listen to your story? The thing that I wish I had done is I wish I had been braver with my parents and really said like, this is how I'm feeling. And I think I'm in trouble and I think I need help. And if they didn't get it, like just keep going to people and saying, I think I feel like there's something wrong with me and I don't know what it is. And, and um, it was too much to, to carry on my own. And I, I thought it was me. I didn't, I didn't know that how adoption would have affected me. And I think if I had felt that I could have communicated with other people, it would have been amazing. Wow. You ask wonderful questions. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you so much for yeah. letting, letting us listen to your story and coming on tonight and being a guest. It's been, uh, it's been great. Uh, getting to Thanks know for, you and your story. Thanks for taking the time and using your resources to do something like this. I, I, from the community, I thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Annie. You stay in touch, and okay. we hope to hear from you soon with uh, any new news or whatever you'd like to share. You know, come on back anytime, and um, I'd like a signed copy of your book. You can, um, I will definitely send you one. That's awesome. Great. Well, thank you again. And um, Thanks, we hope Dan. you uh, have a great rest of your evening and take care of yourself. Thank you. You're a special person. Thank you so much, folks. That was you. Annie from Massachusetts. <laughs> she came on tonight to share her story and uh, open her heart to us. And we hope you enjoyed this episode and we will be airing it soon. If you want to come on and share your story, visit us at www.voiceofadoptees.com. As always, thanks for stopping by and we'll see you next time. Bye, David. Thank you.